forgot what they are doing there. Right. Okay. Did they pull like an uh, Mr. T on the A team and like shut him down during the trip or something? He ends up pushing the button and they're going up into the yep. ever popular and very little used mash pool. I was glad to see it again. I was too. I thought they were abandoning that section of the uh, episodes. Matt gives T-Bob the full credit for saving Bruce's life. Yay! Yeah! Select the mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason G, DJ, movie writer, 80s guru, vehicle code name, Frontier. Wyatt B, sound engineer, movie writer, airman, vehicle code name, Dakota. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, MassCast listeners, to MassCast 26. We thank you for tuning in to us, whether it be from our blog at mobilearmoredstrikecommandmovie.blogspot.com or one of the popular podcast sites like iTunes or Stitcher Radio or Mixcloud. We really appreciate you joining us tonight. We will be reviewing episode 20 of the mass cartoon titled Cold Fever. It was originally broadcast on October 25th, 1985. And in this episode, Bruce Sato falls ill from a terrible virus during a trip to Alaska and Mask finds out that Venom has the only cure. I am your host, Jason, and as always, I'm with my Mask Cast co-host, the man-at-arms to my He-Man. Wyatt, how are you tonight? You're you're striking a million lately. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I'm really that sh- that buff or anything, but you know, I, I keep in. No, 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 no. See, let's get it straight. You're the man at arms. I'm the E-man. Oh come on. Man at arms. You're the like. You're like the tech person. You're the gadgets. You're the. Well, that's right. You know. That's who he was. That's been a long time. <laughs> wow. Well, see, I just. I just watched the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special the other night. It was on Netflix. Um, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. I, sadly, because that was horrible. Yeah. I remember uh, watching it years ago. And the only... Of course, my sister watched She-Ra. I watched He-Man. And the only thing I liked about She-Ra was that she had the cooler sword. It actually changed, where He-Man just had a regular old right. sword. Right, right. Well, in the Christmas special, if, if you remember, Skeletor kind of helps uh, defeat the uh, the guy at the end. I can't remember his name. The uh, robot monster. Um, and save these kids in the spirit of Christmas. So, Thank you, Skeletor. That's <laughs> kind of a, you know. Uh, by that point, they had, uh, you know, well past... I guess you would say jump the shark, and uh, they were just after some our our money at that point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Buy some toys, but you said you might have a new little segment for us as an opening. I did. Um, we've been gone so long that I kind of wanted to do a kind of a refresher, if you will. Our very first mass cast was Meet the Writers, and I thought 
you know, we've not been recording these as often. Uh, really, our schedules have just kept us tied up, but we don't want to disappoint our listeners and our fans. So I have five questions to ask you, Jason. The first okay. one is, what T-shirt are you wearing right now? What t- what T-shirt am I wearing right now? I am wearing a shirt I bought for myself on my birthday, uh, which was just a couple weeks ago. We actually recorded uh, MassCast 25 the day before my birthday. Um, I went on this site, tfury.com. If you've never been there, they put up one T-shirt design each day, and it's for like 10 bucks. And then the next day they put up another shirt, and it's gone. So... I kind of keep my eyes peeled, and I'm a big retro t-shirt kind of person. So I bought this one. If you remember the movie The NeverEnding Story, you remember that one? I do. Well, it's got, if you remember his little necklace, it's kind of like these interwoven snakes. Yep, I remember. Uh, that he wears. Well, this design, the one I have on my t-shirt, instead of them being snakes, one is the Luck Dragon, Falcor, and the other one is the Wolf. Uh, I just had to buy it. I was like, click. There's my birthday gift for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I am wearing right now. How about you? Well, you should know me pretty well by now. A um, couple years ago, Julie bought me a Christmas gift. And uh, Dukes of Hazard. You're spot on. He knows me too well. <laughs> it's an actual Cooters. You got the little, you know, uh, I guess pocket. It's not really. There's no pocket here, but the lower. Oh, it's like his uh, like his logo. Yeah, it has cooters. It has cooters with his little tow truck on the bottom, which is his actual business name. Nice. And on the back, of course, it, it's a black T-shirt, but in bright, classic, generally orange is the big O one on the back. Nice, nice. That's what I'm wearing tonight. That's awesome. We're both retroed up tonight. Very much. The second question I had for you is, where is uh-huh. your portion of the MassCast studio located? Oh, good question. Uh, my <laughs> my studio, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, um, is in our dining room. <laughs> we have a little niche where our our home computer is, and it's I just record using uh, Skype and uh, a program called Pamela, which is a free program. And that's that's my setup, and a and a headset. Now you got a you got a fancier setup than me, Mister Engineer. Uh, slightly. <laughs> I have been relocated from our computer room, which was actually opposite of my my young little seven month old, because uh, I was talking too loud. So now I'm in just like you. I'm in the dining room, on the dining room table, by the way. Uh, but my setup is actually with a little mixer tied into my laptop to to try to give me a little more definition since I'm lacking in the uh, so-called DJ voice. <laughs> since you've had no formal training. <laughs> hey man, I would don't go. I wouldn't go that far because uh, you do some mobile DJing on the side. So I do. I do. You know you can spin those records. I, that's one thing I haven't done yet: is spin the actual records. I. I would love to get into the rapping uh, CDs. <laughs> so, so the third question I have is, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Oh, um, well, I had my parents come in 
to uh, they drove down from Pennsylvania all the way down here to Alabama, and uh, didn't have to do any traveling. We just kicked our feet up, ate, and watched football. How about you? You did some traveling. I did. I went the opposite direction. As most people know by now, we, you and I are both from the same hometown, so I actually went north to Pennsylvania and visited my my folks up there. We had actually kind of two Thanksgivings. Uh, my parents have split, so I go for my mom's on actual Thanksgiving and get to go to my dad's on Saturday for theirs, so it was all good. And then we two all... Thanksgiving dinners. I love it. I know. But the downside to the visit is I always get somehow dragged into Black Friday shopping (laughs) and the bumper carts thereafter. (laughs) Yes. I am a big opponent of having this Black Friday on Thanksgiving night. It's... I don't don't encroach on my Thanksgiving Black Friday. I second... Slap you upside the head. Exactly. I'm with you. All you crazies, go out Friday. You know, just leave me alone on Thursday. I actually did go out. I went out uh, Friday afternoon. By that time, you know the uh, the Black Friday zombies have all gone to bed. But uh, <laughs> well, I was. It really those. wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I was kind of waiting for the uh, the rush, or you know, all the uh, all the people. But by the afternoon time, since it started Thursday night, it was. It was nice. <laughs> well, we were part of those zombie people. We were there from 8 o'clock, well, actually 7 o'clock, starting at Walmart and made our trip to Toys R Us, the mall, and uh, we got in around 4 a.m. And yes, wow. and yes, Minnie Scott was in tow, but he was a trooper. I have to give him that. He was asleep for about 90% of the whole trip. Well, that's good. So, at least he slept through it. Yeah. So, question four for you is, what are your plans for Christmas? I am sticking my toes in the sand for Christmas. Um, My in-laws have moved to St. Petersburg, Florida. And for the first time, I'm going south for the winter. (laughs) Further south, that is. And uh, we're going to go down there and visit them. We're going to go for the whole week. And... uh, Word has it on the street, if you promise not to tell my two boys, we might be going to Disney World the day after Christmas. Julie. That's the big one. My wife, Julie, (laughs) would be envious of you right now. That's where you're going for Christmas. I'm going to keep it on the DL then. I'm not going to tell her. Well, it's not secret because she's standing here in the studio with me. (laughs) Darn it. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's the word on the street, so. And you are uh, you're flying further south, well, it's not, literally. Uh, well, technically, it's not for Christmas. <laughs> However, we're going to make it a Christmas trip anyway because uh, the family down there. Uh, my wife, if no one, if I haven't spoken of it yet, um, my wife is Brazilian, so we are going down to Brazil for about twelve days to visit her side of the family to introduce Adam to. Basically, his extended family down there. Uh, he is going to meet Santa Claus. Uh, her uncle dresses up like Santa every year, so he's going to get his. Ah, so they do Santa Claus. They down do there. do it down there. No kidding. Um, so they're going to do all that. We're going to have a kind of a makeshift uh, birthday party down there. Uh, 
he's not he'll be eight months down there but we're kind of to kind of the sure. uh, fast forward he's a year old down there <laughs> and then we come up and basically shift gears from getting off the plane a couple days and then we're back heading north you know we're going down and it's summertime down there so we're going from 100 degree weather oh, to possibly 20 30 degrees in our little humble town of Clearfield, Pennsylvania. <laughs> wow. So, Culture shock. Uh, yeah. And then some. Other shock. Yeah. Uh, my final question for you is, what is the most recent movie you've seen? This does include DVDs, so don't feel... Oh, so uh, not just the theater. Right. Uh, I, I'll give you a rundown. The, the last movie I saw in the theater was with my lovely wife. We went to we had a night on the town for my birthday. We dropped the boys off and we went to see Skyfall, the uh, the new James Bond movie, and I was thoroughly impressed. This one kind of came back to more of what James Bond is and you know, Craig's been more of the what they call the tough bond, I guess you would say, and this one kind of came more back towards the traditional Bond, so I'm looking. I'm, it was good. I'm not about to say it's the best yet, but I think the next one that he's going to do, he's signed up for. I think for one more, it's going to be the best. So that's the last one I saw in the theater. The last one I just watched was uh, I watched The Goonies. <laughs> I think it was the. <laughs> I think it was the uh, either Thanksgiving night or the night after. I had just snagged it off of Amazon and. Uh, had to I had to buy it was like five bucks so I put that in and then the most recent DVD I ordered <laughs> you're gonna love this uh, was just today I ordered the first season of the Thundercats Ooh. Uh, actually it's it's this season first season part one or whatever it's like the first 33 episodes yeah I have that and I've been it was like 12 bucks I mean it was that was a great deal dude uh, I should have waited yeah I paid like $35, 40 bucks for that. Well, the uh, the second part I think is around thirteen or fourteen right now on Amazon. And since they, you know, they give you free shipping at twenty five dollars, I just had to fill my cart with twenty five dollars worth of crap. So <laughs> the other one I bought was the four pack of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Mm. It has the the three that are like the whatever live action, and then the <laughs> Animation, yeah. Yeah, it was like came out in like 2007 or 8, something like that. Something like that. Uh, I bought those four for 10 bucks. I mean, come on. 250 a movie to have uh, Vanilla Ice doing the uh, Ninja Rap. That's that's just worth it right there to me. It was. It's classic. <laughs> what about you? When's the last time you had a date with your wife without the baby? <laughs> well, it was actually while she was pregnant. And we went to the movie theater <laughs> wow. to see Hunger Games, which was a very impressive movie. We were we were both really impressed with it. Uh, and the last DVD movie that we saw uh, was just recently, and it was The Amazing Spider-Man, where they it seemed like oh. they just redid the or had another take on the beginning of Spider-Man. Yeah, but I have not seen that one yet. It's it's a very good movie. I, I like it, and I kind of like that they gave it another angle to look at. Mm-hmm. The only discrepancy I had was, okay, now you have two beginnings. What's the right one? Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't get that either. I mean, I, I heard good reviews about it, and, and people seemed to like it. But, but and there was other 
different add-ons and how he I don't want to spoil it for anybody but you know this the, how he does It's it's been out long enough. Go okay, ahead, well, you know how And you could spoil it for me. Okay, you know how the first one, you know, Spider-Man actually has spider webs, you know, somehow. Yeah. Well, the new one, he has little tiny tiny very tiny little watch looking gadgets that are shooting the actual web. So it's not oh, even so it's his not web. Like in- it's a hybrid. No kidding. That's weird. So I'm, I, that's what does I was, he get bit by a spider? He does. He gets bit by a spider. He, he gets, but he doesn't get the webs. He gets spidey senses and goes all freakish on the subway, but he doesn't have the spider web, which, come on, that was, oh. even I know, that was actually part of his, you know, okay. a repertoire, <laughs> if it were. Right. So I was a little dis- that's the big disappointment I really had was that. Well, it should be interesting. You got the uh, the new Superman coming out, and then I've been seeing all kinds of rumors and posts on the internet about the Justice League movie to rival the Avengers movie. Nice. And they're supposed to—I think they're supposed to use this new Superman. And then the rumor is they're going to use. Uh, have you seen the Dark Knight Rises? No. They're going to use. Uh, Levitt. I, I can't remember his his full name. Joseph Gordon Levitt. They're going to use his character that kind of picks up where where Batman leaves off, and he's going to be in the Justice League. That's the that's the latest rumor. But all these superhero movies, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a trend. <laughs> it is, but you know, they're good. I mean, I you, you can't you can't go wrong with them, really. Exactly, you can't go wrong. I'm I'm you know that I'm a big of all the all of them. I'm kind of a big fan more of a fan of batman than any of them yeah and me too. i just tweeted about it today finding it on fox news that the original batmobile that actually george barris built and had in his showroom museum is uh-huh. being put up on the auction block oh, wow yeah i wonder if that thing will hit seven digits that's gonna be a high ticket item I'll well you, you know i i think it will because it's such a rare they only made if I recollect, uh, there is a mm-hmm. fifth one, but there was there's a whole other story for that one. But yeah, I I tweeted, you know, if anybody's you know looking to get me a Christmas present, you know, <laughs> that would suffice very well. <laughs> well, yeah, Batman was always my favorite, and I, I guess my second favorite now is Iron Man. I've really enjoyed even the second one that everybody is hating on compared to some of the other Avengers movies with the uh, Thor and Captain America and all them but I I really liked Iron Man I think Robert Downey Jr hit it out of the park with the I agree. with the first one I agree I haven't seen the second one wait I want for to. number 3 number 3 is coming out I think next year so I will be in line might be, yeah that might be one movie I would I would get like opening opening day tickets to I mean I usually wait until the second weekend no matter what movie comes out just because I hate being armpit to armpit with everybody, but I, I, Iron Man is <laughs> is my new favorite. So, well, as if you haven't noticed, we've got some extra time. Um, we're kind of running down to the end of the month, and we had some extra time to kill. So that was fun. I'm glad we should do this more often when we get some extra time. I agree, and and you know, chat about some current stuff rather than you know. Obviously, we love being in 1985 and talking about masks, but it's fun to talk about current stuff, too. Exactly. So, uh, I guess let's push on and start 
the mass cast. We come upon a blustery scene of blowing snow with Bruce running along on his dog sled when he removes his snow goggles in shock on the appearance of this shirtless man walking up the snow-laden path. Stopping, Bruce asks him what happened with the man, simply replying, Help me! as Bruce covers him with a blanket. Well, the man ends up shoving the blanket off of him. No! Too hot! Too hot? It's 65 degrees below zero! He touches the guy's chest, and this is where Bruce discovers that he is actually hot, like a feverish hot, and, in- and encourages him not to worry that he's going to take him into town. Back in town, we see a scarf wrapped around the ever-positively-minded T-Bob as he conveys his discomfort, if you will. As always. As always. Uh, you can see the scar- sarcasm in my voice there. <laughs> I hate this. I hate it. My gyro stabilizer. I can't handle it. I can't stand up. Oh, T-Bob. It's just a little snow and ice. However, T-Bob isn't quite buying it and replies that they are in Alaska, which at least tells us where we're at. Now, T-Bob, he asks Scott what they are doing there. Right. Oh, what are we doing here anyway? Dad heard that those Venom guys are up to something. He and Bruce are checking it out. Ouch! Okay, did they pull, like, an uh, Mr. T on the A-team and, like, shut him down during the trip or something? I just never... That's an awesome... I guess it's possible that... You know, you, sh- you shut him down for the trip so he's not chatting in your ear for the flight over or whatever. But I would think he would know. Is he asleep during the trip or he would know what they were doing? Maybe there. he was recharging. Could be. <laughs> I don't Could know. Be. But basically they end up, you know, continuing on the path. We discovered through their conversation that the purpose of why they're in Alaska is because Matt and Bruce suspect that those Venom bad guys are reportedly in the area. Right, and then we uh, we cut back to the hospital where Matt and this uh, Dr. Morgan woman, uh, they're talking about the man that was found. He has a very unusual disease which raised his skin temperature. And she warns Matt that Bruce has been exposed, and they're both in this uh, quarantined room, and they need to remain in there. Matt tries to go in, and she kind of, hey, no, you can't go in there. They're they're quarantined. You'll get it, too. So Matt talks to Bruce through this uh, window of the room, which I wasn't sure how he could kind of hear through the window. but Right, I was a little uh, puzzled there, but, you know, uh, yeah. Matt asks him, how are you feeling, old-timer? Huh? Old-timer? <laughs> okay. Um, Bruce says he's not feeling great. I think I've got the bug. Sounds more like the bug's got you. And then Matt goes on about asking the doctor how long he has to remain locked up in there. And she says she's not sure, but the tests confirm it's from this microbe and found in the tropics. So they're kind of, Matt's kind of puzzled about how, you know, they could get this disease from the tropics. Uh, the doctor goes on, she doesn't have any kind of serum or drug to fight the disease. And that Bruce's condition is really serious. Then who's his roommate? How did he get it? Nobody knows, Matt. 
He had no identification, and he's been in a coma ever since I... No! Leave me alone! Let me go! Then all of a sudden, he starts to wake up and starts talking. Like he was, uh, almost like he was dreaming. He says his name is Professor Ortuk. Um, he goes on about these men in masks, took everything. I wonder who that could uh, be. <laughs> left in a helicopter that turned into a jet. A helicopter that turns into a jet plane. I'm afraid he's delirious. I only wish he was. Um, and then right as after uh, Matt says that, Bruce kind of collapses on the ground. And Matt, again, he wants to get in there into the room and to help him. But the doctor again warns him, you gotta, you can't go in that room. So Matt, he just kind of walks straight out of the hospital right to Thunderhawk as if, you know, he's frustrated basically. Right. And Scott runs up to him asking if Bruce is going to be okay. And Matt tells Scott, I don't know, Scott, but I'm going to do everything I can to help him. Climbs into Thunderhawk and basically shuts the door and leaves Scott and T-Bob looking in from the outside. Right. And, you know, I like Matt's replies. I don't know what's wrong, but I got to do something. And uh, Right. But, you know, like you said, Scott and T-Bob are peering in through the passenger window. Matt accesses the mass computer via satellite and asks for the best agents for the mission in Alaska and then states that Bruce is unavailable. So our call-up brings us to Hondo with Firecracker, Alex with, he was actually relocated, or reassigned rather, to temporary assignment, right, yep. to Firecracker, and then Dusty bringing up the rear end Gator. I really liked that. I, I thought that was good. I did too. Uh, I liked that. I liked that he said, you know, actually, this, I need a satellite link, and uh, that Bruce, he pretty much announced, okay, Bruce is not available, and stating that to the computer, and then, you know, they didn't go into those little comic relief call-ups like they normally had it was just kind of right on mission and there was pretty good animation and effects as they called up the the people right i agree and and that temporary assignment thing that was great that's cool yeah you, know, you get a, a different person in a in a new vehicle right basically. right like we you know you typically see uh gloria tagging along in gator and then that random time she gets shark right that's right. the only one we actually really see being reassigned but they don't ever say reassign it's just straight you know shark or gator yeah but anyway uh via thunderhawk matt uh video teleconferences with the trio back at mask headquarters this is professor ortuk he was researching ancient ice strata and somehow revived microbes frozen alive in the ice thousands of years ago when the area was tropical alex asked why venom attacked him yet matt doesn't know the answer to this question Matt goes further, stating that Ortuk was working on a serum, so there was a cure for this disease, which would be Bruce's only chance to survive. Dusty Hurdley says, Well, dang! What are we standing here chewing the fat for? Let's go! He ends up pushing the button, and they're going up into the yep. ever-popular and very little used mask room i was glad to see it again i was um, too i thought they were abandoning that section of the uh episodes yeah and you know it seemed to be there's some new sequences with the people getting the masks and it actually energizing uh in the animation there so that was i was glad to see that right the only thing i was a little disappointed on is they made the mistake they had all the masks sitting on the rack 
and all the masks got charged, but only three agents were there. So that was. Well, it, I don't know if that's a mistake. I I kind of like it when they pull them all down. Obviously, I, I can't remember if Matt's you know Spectrum mask was in there. It might have been, but. I, I don't know. I kind of like that that it kind of houses them all, and they only take what they need. Right. But if that's what's going on, then I I, I actually like that as well. But, yeah. Uh, to me, it looks like a mistake. So. Uh, yeah. Well, we uh, cut back to Scott and T. Bob back in Alaska after Dusty has led the charge to get going. Scott is putting on snow chains on T. Bob. I love this. And T. Bob is kind of. He goes around the little courtyard there in the city, tests out the traction, and then Scott, he wants to hook him up to a sled. Okay, let's go. Mush. Mush? Oh, where? We're going out to help Dad find Venom. No way. You know you're not allowed to do that. T-Bob, Bruce is sick. He might die. And you're a computer. You have to follow orders. So mush. And then, uh, so T-Bob, he throws it in gear, and he blows all this snow back from his tire I back onto that. Scott. And Scott's just soaked, and you did that on purpose. T-Bob says, well, I'm just a computer. I'm just following orders. <laughs> <laughs> I actually laughed out loud. That was, like, the first time in many episodes that I, like, laughed out loud at a Scott and T-Bob right, scene. That was so a good... I, I liked it. That was a good segment right there. I like. Yeah. So with the mass cargo plane in the background, we see Matt meeting up with the team at the outpost village. This is Ortok's research outpost. We're looking for that container of serum, or any clue we can find. As they walk towards a building, a fireball falls towards them, with, uh, with them all shouting, Look out! Uh, the fireball ends up hitting the building, destroying it. And Dusty just jokes it off. Phew! Reckon that takes care of the clues! And it looks like Venom wants to take care of us next. Um, Did you figure out what this fireball was from? I I, I could only suspect it was uh, supposed to be maybe a missile coming from Switchblade, and it right. turned into a fireball. I, I really don't know where it came from. There was no indication where it came from. It just boom, there it is. And now you know later on we see them yeah. engaged in Venom. So why yeah? Why not just use the show the switchblade missile you know coming out and blowing it up right i don't know anyway go ahead so uh, here we go into the uh, mask versus venom phase venom appears on the scene with rax uh, commenting about his spiked tires how do you like these spiked tires it's a sure thing even on ice i told you mask would show up here sooner or later i want them kept far away from our base Matt takes to the air while Gator and Firecracker fight the slippery terrain with Dusty commenting, Whoa! Snow slicker than grease on the grid! I liked to hear that Venom was more prepared. I like that Matt. too. I like that because it, it was really impressive. You think, I guess maybe they took advantage of the Jeep and maybe Firecracker had four-wheel drive. Obviously it didn't work. Yeah, but it's, you know at the same time, it was almost like they were just trying to get there as quick as possible and didn't really think it through that we're hey we're going to be driving in the snow exactly so then we get piranha he comes up on gator and uh shooting at gator and causing him to spin out and then gator gets stuck and piranha he's coming back for more and dusty's roll bar gun uh 
comes up and uses the roll bar gun to defend himself on Gator. Well, he shoots the gun that shoots this kind of laser beam at Rax, and Rax gets loose on the bike, and it, he actually gets thrown. Of course, you know, here we go with Rax again. Right. Poor guy. I can never keep on that bike. He needs a seatbelt for that freaking thing. He does. Uh, so he, or another vehicle. He gets thrown up. Yeah, he gets thrown off the bike, and he's skidding along the ice, and he skids behind the snowdrift, and he gets chased by this polar bear that comes roaring out from back behind the, the drift. Uh, help! Well, he starts the bike back up and uh, leaves just as the bear is kind of still chasing him or closing in. Jackhammer comes along and converts. <laughs> Hondo and Alex, they kind of look in through the rearview mirror and see the spiked tires on Jackhammer. And there's an unfair advantage, I guess. Uh, Did you notice the new sound effect? It seemed like uh, for Jackhammer's transformation. It seemed a little new to me. I didn't catch that. It was just, uh, you know, like we've we've, uh, noticed a few episodes before where they they seem to try out sound effects differently. Yes. So it just... just, uh, and I can talk more at the end, but you know, it just—it was something that stuck out when I heard that. Well, Firecracker uh, then converts and starts shooting at Jackhammer. I wasn't sure how they didn't really show them turning around, because it's almost like Jackhammer's chasing them. They convert, and then all of a sudden they're going the same way as Jackhammer shooting at them. I can't aim properly. Can you keep it steady? I'm not sure I can keep it in Alaska. Yeah, Alex is actually the one manning the, the guns. Right. Dusty sees this and notices that they're in trouble, and he's... Stuck tighter than a champagne cork! <laughs> so Dusty uses his think tank and ends up engaging the Gator boat jettison jets. I, I don't know what else to really call them. It yeah. ends up using them as the jet engines, giving it that budge it needed to get out of its little icy cage, uh, if you will. In the skies, we see Thunderhawk is chasing after Switchblade. Matt is impressed that he's gotten so close to Switchblade. I've never been this close to him. I can't miss. Of course, he waits just a hair too long because Miles is actually luring him close enough to drop, uh, I guess, water balloons? No! What the heck? Water! I'm totally iced up! I'm going down like a lead pigeon. <laughs> well, I, I didn't understand that either. Because it looked like it snowballs looks... at first, but right. then, right. you know, Matt's saying, oh, it's all water. Uh, uh, it's ice now. You know, yeah. it's freezing. Um, I didn't understand it. Like you said, I, I, to me, it looked like snowballs. Uh, nonetheless, you know, it's covering up Thunderhawk and turning him into basically a anchor. Falling, Matt attempts to land on some smooth ice, as he calls it. But we hear, like, a heavy landing sound, like a thunk. It worked! You would think, you know, even if it was just smooth ice or whatever, you got the heavy car falling from the sky. It's not going not gonna to land lightly. No, I think those shocks were pretty well shot. <laughs> so exactly. Thunderhawk ends up spinning and slides to a stop, just shy of, a, uh, I guess, a body of water. Uh, Dusty notices that Matt is grounded now and says, this just isn't our day. Yeah. Dusty re-engages the, uh, the roll bar cannon 
and blasts away at Jackhammer with Dagger saying, Oh, so you want to play too? As he turns around, Miles tries to warn him not to do this. Instead, to go back to the shore and start shooting at the ice. Right. Then we see Switchblade and Jackhammer blasting at the vehicles in the surrounding ice. We then see each of the mask vehicles kind of begin to float away on their own individual uh, ice boats, if you will. Chunks. Iceberg, yeah, yeah. or something, yeah. And Venom, they feel like Mask is occupied enough to just kind of leave and go about their business again. Firecracker, as they're floating down the river, it kind of hits a bank or something, this, their iceberg. And then it starts to tip, and the, the back end of Firecracker starts kind of sliding off this iceberg. And Hondo, he's kicking into gear, trying to, he's just spinning the tires. Alex even is shown, you know, kind of back by the tailgate trying to hold the thing. Right sliding off and hondo and dusty kind of plead for matt's help right and matt's kind of stuck you know he's just crashed the thing and that's where we get right into the dramatic commercial break that's right i can't hold it matt we're going over no Just before the commercial break, I, I wanted to point this out because to me it was kind of a good uh, situational awareness of what's going on with them. You know, Matt is saying, it looks like we've gone from the frying pan into the fire. Then Dusty just like adds, cranks it up a little bit more, says, More like out of the fridge into the deep freeze. Yeah. I, I actually like that. I thought it was very fitting for their, their dramatic uh, situation. Yeah. Nonetheless, we're Got back it. from our commercial break. Uh, Alex states that we must hold it. If we get wet in this cold, we'll be dead in minutes. Of course, that's kind of obvious. Matt says that they need to secure the front wheels of Firecracker. Then Matt uses Spectrum to melt basically divots around the front tires of, of uh, Thunderhawk. Hondo uses Blaster. Blaster on. We don't see him securing the front tires. Instead, we see him blasting a hole. Uh, behind Firecracker. Feeling left out, Dusty asks, you know, what he's supposed to do. Alex, who's inside of Firecracker right now, tells him just, just to simply stay out of the way. Uh, he ends up launching the spiked spare tire from Firecracker's truck bed, and it lands on uh, Dusty's iceberg. All right, fasten the rope onto that. Here. Got it. Securing a rope thrown from Hondo to the spiked tire, the two are now linked together. And then uh, Matt tells them he's got Thunderhawk anchored in the ice and uh, wants to play a little train. So Hondo, he shoots his winch like Kit. Here we go. And uh, he hooks on to Thunderhawk's spoiler. I like your uh, thinking. You were thinking exactly like <laughs> I did. I put that in my nose, too. Beats it to the punch. You did. Yeah. Uh, so he he hooks on to Thunderhawk spoiler, and then of course you still got uh, Gator, the spike tire, tied to Firecracker. So they're all kind of linked together. Matt fires up the Thunderhawk engine, and basically tows the other two icebergs. And uh, Dusty has his little quip here. Yeehaw! That's real ingenuity. As they're in tow, we go right back to Scott and T-Bob. They find their own uh, tracks. They're out in the wilderness now, and they've kind of, I guess, made a circle 
found their own tracks in the snow, and Scott, of course, saying that they're lost. Those look like our own tracks. So what? That's snow. Big deal. It is, too. It means we're lost. Yeah, that was over the top. Roll your eyes moment. Roll, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what we're, uh, that's what we've been calling them. Anyway, we cut right back to Mask. They've landed on the, the shore, finally. And uh, Matt says that he needs to get airborne. Let's see what a sonic boom will do. Backlash, fire! Good thinking, Dusty. If a sonic boom was going to go off, I would think it would like kind of crack and fall off and not melt. I agree, but you notice notice a little bit of a theme going on here. Dusty is kind of taking the lead on a lot of this episode. He's playing more of a serious role than, you know, the kind of the backseat comic relief or uh, yeah yeah well in the you know the whole thing we talked about before with his little uh last minute you know think tank there to to get out of the ice i thought that was pretty good so he is kind of in the forefront of this episode for a while he is but then we get back to matt he's uh saying uh as soon as the the ice is melted on thunderhawk he can track venom with uh, Thunderhawk's infrared to like trace the heat given off from their vehicles or whatever. So Thunderhawk takes off in the air, and then we cut right back to Scott and T-Bob. Right. Here we find Scott discovering that there's a piece of ice in T-Bob's radio, meaning that they simply can't call for help. Oh, we're doomed! Doomed! We'll never see under a leaf again! Calm down! I gotta think. Which, uh, I know a little bit about electronics. Usually water and electronics don't mix. <laughs> right. So, he would have been fried, pretty much. Right. But obviously, it doesn't affect T-Bob since he was swimming in the last episode. So well, true. <laughs> um, anyway, T-Bob begins building an igloo. Uh, I actually thought that was actually comical. He's building an igloo for shelter since the night will be coming very soon, at least so he thinks. However, Scott gives him a little bit of reality and says that the night won't come for another six months. Yeah. You know, T-Bob... Oops. Yeah, really. T-Bob continues his mediocre panic with Scott insisting that he relax because he has an idea. Woo! Fancy that. Uh, Scott uses the infrared sensors on T-Bob to go searching for heat. And uh, I wrote a little inject here, you know, if anybody's a country music fan, Travis Tritt wrote a song called I Smell T-R-O-U-B-L-E. Right. Getting Scott and T-Bob involved in this. Uh, <laughs> anyway, as they crest a snowy hill, T-Bob announces that he's detected a lot of heat. Scott, I'm getting a reading. There's a lot of heat just ahead. Oh, You see those vehicles? It's a secret Venom hideout. Poor T-Bob, you know, he just continues his rant that they're doomed, doomed, doomed. <laughs> T-Bob always overreacting. He is. He's dramatic. 
But about that time, they get a little relief because they see Thunderhawk overhead. Right. It's Dad! And we have nowhere to call him. I've got something. It's Venom, all right. I'm going to land out of sight. Track my signal and meet me here. Cut back to Venom inside the dome, and Rax is pleading with Mayhem to get out of there. Right. Um, he just is not fond of these polar bears. <laughs> but um, at the time, Mayhem then explains that... When I'm certain I've trapped enough of the ancient microbes in this canister for a permanent breeding colony, then the world will have a real need for this life-saving serum Dr. Ortuk developed. Rax pretty much likes the plan, agrees with them, but he still wants to get out as soon as he can. Right, and just be just a little bit before this, we see uh, Dusty and Hondo kind of suiting up the vehicles with tire chains so they can actually right. get out and actually move. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So they're they're kind of prepping uh, once they meet up with Matt to to go after them. So they, they cut back to Mask on the hillside, kind of overlooking. They got their snow chains now. Um, Dusty notices kind of the, he's kind of overwhelmed by the size of the operation. Ooh-wee! That's a big operation. I wish I had remembered to bring an army with me. Mine's in my other suit. Matt removes his mask and starts to tell them they must have the serum there. But I liked it how, if you noticed, his voice changed as he took his mask off. I did. He, he, he started talking about, you know, this must be where the serum is, and as he's taking his mask off, they change his voice back to normal. That was cool. I mean, I, that was... This is the first time we've really... At least I've noticed it, 20 episodes in, that we've had that transition. You know, you can always tell when they have their masks on, they try to do, like, an echo effect sometimes, right. or... Um, they do something different with their voice, but they never tried to do that where they got the mask on, they're talking in that voice, and then they take it off, and they're back in their normal voice. That, that, that was some props to the uh, producers of the show there. I that agree, I agree. That was very good. So on another snowy embankment, we see uh, T-Bob you know, continuing to insist that he leaves. However, Scott shuns him. Go back and get the sled. We gotta find something we can use to signal Dad. Instead, T-Bob says that he wants to run away. He transforms and ends up running into a rather large polar bear. <laughs> he pulls a go-go gadget moment with his uh, arms. <laughs> yeah, with his arms, yeah. To the embankment that's actually back at Scott, but he's... <laughs> that was a nice description, by the way. I like that. <laughs> Inspector Gadget Arms. Um, so, he, But he's still too slow to like recoil himself back. And you get this right. big comical, you know, swat from the polar bear, which ends up actually throwing him into the pile of snow. But that ends up causing uh, him to roll down and become a large snowball who's actually targeted at Scott. Yeah. As the mass team is discussing their strategy. When we make our move, it's going to take split-second timing. I'll start with a diversion, then Dusty. Hello, look at that. Ah! Oh! Avalanche! There's your distraction, Matt. <laughs> exactly. It's the snowball. And I actually thought they were going to say, well, there's your distraction. Perfect timing. Yeah, you're right. But anyway, the snowball, of course, is T-Bob as he rolls towards the Venom hideout. Ends up smashing uh, a plate of glass there. 
into the building. You know, coming to a stop, a very gracious yet unattentive T-Bob is lifted out of the snow by Miles. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was terrible. I thought I was doomed for sure. <laughs> Somebody catch that robot. Yeah, he kind of scurries right past Dagger, who does that half-hearted effort to grab him as he goes through his arms, you know, in scooter mode. Right. And at this point, this is where Rax finds Scott, you know, hanging out outside. And he brings him to Mayhem inside, and, ugh, they just drop the ball right here. Mayhem, this kid was outside spying on us. Who are you? How did you find us? Well, ugh, okay. We've had episodes before. I, we actually had an episode, it was one of the early ones, where Was. they basically kidnap him. They kidnap Scott and hold him for, like, ransom against Matt. And uh, I, I just think they dropped the ball on this one. He should know who Scott is, and they, he should know who T-Bob is. Right. So, I don't know. They just dropped the ball on this one. They could have they really hit a home run yep. if he would have known this was Scott Tracker. Anyway, Rax is like, well... Forget the kid. Uh, Mask is coming. And Mayhem and Dagger, they're kind of surprised as we cut to uh, Mask kind of advancing on them. And then uh, Venom, they kind of scurry outside to their vehicles. Uh, Dusty says they're basically even with their traction capability now. Right. We got as much traction as them now. I'll take the jackhammer. He's all yours. The jackhammer. Yeah, I noticed that again. <laughs> Here we are with the switchblade, the jackhammer. Well, they even say uh, the Thunderhawk later on. Do they? Yep. Okay, I didn't catch that one. Jackhammer, he actually shoots off the roll bar gun on Gator. I thought that was cool. That was very good. Good ups to the uh, producers on that one, because they just, they just take basically Dusty's only gun. Lucky shot. He ouched my electric ouch. Gonna have to take evasive action. And he calls for uh, Firecracker basically to help him. And Hondo, he's kind of battling Rax at this point, and he uses Blaster to get rid of Rax. He uh, shoots at the snow and kicks up this like snow cloud. Uh, and as this like snow cloud uh, disappears, there's a polar bear, and uh, he swats at the piranha bike and basically knocks it off the sidecar and uh rax is running away and the polar bear right well rax was actually ejected off that bike it looked like it oh that's was it he was he ejected when he yeah, hit the bike he was okay teeter you know seesaw boom gone yeah well i was kind of perturbed here i mean he's got the stiletto mask okay you could like shoot some darts at some bears and but that wouldn't know, be that too him, <laughs> that would not be humane <laughs> well true so he just runs away. Exactly. And then we get back to uh, we get back to Thunderhawk, and uh, he's landing at the Venom base. Right, and that was actually you know kind of clever. He just conveniently just was able to maneuver Thunderhawk right into the garage or the what looked like a garage opening anyway. So Matt jumps out with an impressed Scott, shouting "Wow!" as he comes out of kind of his hiding spot near the broken glass. Matt asks what he's doing there, and well. I just wanted to help Bruce, but then we got lost and the radio was frozen and a polar bear came and... All right, all right. Just get into the Thunderhawk and stay put. Got wonders where T-Bob went. 
outside, kind of amongst the drums of uh, the old oil drums or whatever, he kind of stumbles to his feet, saying, of course, he doesn't know that uh, Thunderhawk or Scott have been rescued. In the next scene, Jackhammer is chasing and blasting away at Gator. Dusty radios again, saying that, Hey, fellas, Dagger's about to turn Gator into Gator bait. <laughs> uh, Alex replies that they are with him and has him lure Dagger under kind of an ice overhang. And I think of the Looney Tunes, uh, Roadrunner and Coyote right <laughs> here. Coyote, yeah. Uh, Alex then shoots a blast uh, at the ice, causing it to actually fall right on top of Jackhammer. Dusty quips, asking, do you think Jackhammer is dreaming of a white Christmas? <laughs> nice timing, Dusty, exactly. as, we're, uh, as we're getting close to Christmas. Then Hondo insists that they get to the dome in case Matt needs them. Now, did you notice, as Dusty gets away from this whole scene once they collapse onto Jackhammer. He's got the roll bar gun back. I, I noticed that. Not, I, ah! Yeah. I, <laughs> it's not, I mean, it's not a big thing. I'm being picky here, but it's, I was picky it's too. just a tick. I, yeah, exactly. It was a tick. I know that they probably just drew it in because, but really, he lost a gun. It's been blasted yeah. off. You know, keep keep with the story. I, I can understand maybe going back later to pick up your bent up, melted gun maybe, but yeah. yeah. Uh, anywho, cut back to the dome. Uh, Mayhem is grabbing this canister of the the microbes that he's been harvesting, and I like this moment right here. Matt basically confronts Mayhem. He's just standing there. It's kind of mono a mono, you know. <laughs> Hold it, Mayhem. He doesn't like. He doesn't like yell it at him. He just states his purpose. Like, you know, the the surprise that he's there and watching what he's doing is enough. Mayhem. He really doesn't react to him other than he just starts backing away from Matt. I thought that was like a pretty cool. He's like showing a more than just the the normal let's retreat or you right know, the typical let's get out of here thing. He's just kind of backing away from him. Well, as he's backing away, walking backwards, T-Bob is backing in to the uh, the doorway, and they basically butt against each other back to back. Mayhem, he drops the canister, and as he turns around to pick it up, Matt spots this vial hanging from Mayhem's back. It's like tied around his uh, neck by a rope. T-Bob, grab that red vial. And T-Bob, he kind of wrestles with them for a second, and he does. And he pulls a Three Stooges of Mo. He bonks Mayhem on the top of his mask. I <laughs> love that. Boom. Uh, and then Mayhem, he just, he, you know, again, some of these episodes, he just kind of gives up. Sometimes it's it's warranted where it's just he knows when he's beat and it's, it's time to get out of there and fight another day. Didn't necessarily think that was... That was the case at this, ep- you know, no. at this episode. But he just runs for Switchblade, and you know, he sends off his last little. I swear, I'll get you for this mask. He lifts off in Switchblade. We cut back to Rax. He's jumping back on Piranha, that I guess is not disabled by the bear. <laughs> um, we see Switchblade converting from the helicopter to the jet and takes off um, into the distance. And then we cut. 
basically right back to the dome, and there's this huge fire pit inside the dome, and Matt is just tossing these canisters of the virus, of the microbes, kind of overhead and into this big fire. And T-Bob just kind of hands over the vial that he got from from Mayhem and just basically that was all he could take. He just collapses right, right there. He, he actually, it, it was, you could tell he was just worn out and he just feebly just says, Mission accomplished, sir. T-Bob! It looks like he actually faints, uh, a robot fainting. I mean, we, we have the humanistic T-Bob, but he yeah. ends up collapsing. Well, it, it would have been good for them to say, you know, it could have been just the him freezing from being in the, exposed to the cold temperature all that time and out in the wilderness, you know, away from any buildings or anything. Maybe he just got frozen up inside or something right. and collapsed. But it was more or less from exhaustion than, than anything else. Right. Back in Bruce's hospital room, Matt gives T-Bob the full credit for saving Bruce's life. Actually, T-Bob did it all. He wrecked Venom's dome and saved the serum. Yay! Yeah! For T-Bob! T-Bob actually does something right. <laughs> T-Bob was the hero. That's right. It wasn't anything that anybody else did. It was T-Bob. He, he got the cure. Right. Of course, Bruce's response is one of his proverbs. True friends are those who would face death to prevent it. Hondo tried to, you know, crack a joke here. Was that a compliment? I think that was a compliment. As he winks, and that fades us into our beloved PSA. Yeah, I just going back on the ending, I kind of like how it ended. They didn't have their typical chuckle right. at the end, you know. Uh, it was just kind of them pondering what Bruce was saying. And T-Bob, was, he was pretty humble about being the hero. He wasn't, you know, usually he's... He's uh, overreacting to everything. Right. That he was right. kind of humble about it, and Hondo, you know, gave him his little appreciation there as well. So, I thought it was a it was a untypical ending that was good. Exactly. Put it that way. But yes, we're on to our beloved public service announcement. T. Bob is uh, piling matches, a ton of matches, into this fireplace, which are obviously very large matches. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, just in scale to him, they were pretty large. I don't know, maybe they had matches as large as a yardstick back in 1985, but... I don't remember Scott, that. <laughs> I don't either. Scott asks him uh, what he's doing. I just want it to start faster. I'm freezing. So he uh, lights one of the matches, and it just kind of engulfs the all, everything that he had laid in there, and it catches his long purple scarf he's had on the whole episode on fire and uh he runs outside and does the uh the old uh home alone when he you know remember when he burns his hand yeah. and he runs <laughs> runs outside and shoves it in the snow this is you know t-bob running outside and shoving his old body in the snow <laughs> and then he the psa ends with T-Bob promising not to light or touch or look at matches right. ever again. So that was the end of our tale for episode 20. Let's go on to our verdict. What did you uh, What did you give this episode, sir? Well, I didn't rate it as a 5 because I, I, I was a little taken back by a couple uh, errors, but I gave it a 4. 
But it was a very good episode, and they really did think this through. I think they did a lot of uh, details with the storyline. I even think the use of Scott and T-Bob was actually pretty well spot on. I agree. Um, they were used just right. They were used to save the day. It just I was actually impressed how they used Scott and T-Bob, not like normally where we're, we're sitting there pulling a – why were they even written in in the first place? Yeah, there was a couple little, you know, unnecessary uh, little jokes that they did, but for the most part, the way they used them, I thought was good right. too. I I actually loved seeing uh, Dusty seeming to play a lot bigger role than he normally does, and not being looked like as as the fool that just drives a, a boat. Uh, I also liked the change up with the computer, like we sta- stated before, that you know, Alex was reassigned to be the co-pilot of uh, firecracker the errors that i saw that kind of gave me the markdown was the mask room i i took that as an error uh it could be that all of them were there housed in one unit but we've seen it before in in earlier episodes where uh, they miss uh yeah they brought too many masks down for the amount of agents that they have in the room so that's what got me the other one that got me was actually the drawing of t-bob because you notice how flexible he is this episode. Yeah. He, he yeah. gets skinny. He gets, uh, well, stretched is probably the best word. He gets stretched. He gets twisted. Uh, he actually bends. And he's a rigid tin can. Yeah. There were some other points at the episode, mainly I think at the very beginning where the animation, when they were moving, what I didn't know if it was part of the video from just YouTube or whatever, but the animation was a little off. Uh, I noticed that too. And I don't, I, I attributed it to being YouTube and not, not, it could have, it could have been, but I did notice that as well. But overall, I liked it. It wasn't, like I said, it was, uh, they did a very good job with the story and the use of everybody. But, uh, just those errors got me to make it a four. Uh, what say you, I I wanted so bad to make this one a five, or at least a four and a half. I tried so hard <laughs> so I could round it up to a five, but I couldn't do it. I gave it a four as well. I was so up and down. I mean, there was there was some really good kind of traditional mask stuff that they did in this one that right. we hadn't seen in a while, I guess mainly because we've been overseas or whatever, but there was still some stuff that just kept bringing me back you know, and we've mentioned before, at least how I rated. I start at a five, and I go backwards from there, marking down. But I was up and down, up and down. But I finally settled on a four. Uh, there were some great parts that really got me excited. I was really excited about this episode. I liked the satellite link we talked about. The uh, Bruce being unavailable. There was a good call up. I liked it, even though there wasn't the typical, you know, dusty at the pizza shop kind of stuff. Um, and then a temporary assignment of Alex to Firecracker. That was really good. I liked the mask room in this one. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I, I thought it was an upgrade kind of in the animation there. There was at least some new animation when they were pulling down the masks and energizing and stuff. And I didn't. I don't really mind with the having, bringing all the masks down as they kind of store them there. But, you know, to each his own. You, I, I can understand why somebody would just like them to pull down the masks right. that they're using. 
Um, I like that we got the mask plane and that it kind of landed right there at where they were going instead of like at a like at masks camp or right. something. You know, their temporary base. Right. They went right to the thing. It would have been fun to have like to have Switchblade come in and like start shooting and like blow up the thing or something. <laughs> we, it was just sitting there, you know. They could have just had free that reign is- on that thing instead of blowing up just the. Uh, the uh, the outpost there, they could have blown up their plane and got them really mad. That's true. Um, I had you know that I talked about that first real kind of laugh out loud moment in that uh, that one scene where Scott and T Bob go back about you know you're a computer and you have to listen to me and you know, I did. You know, I thought that was that was great. Uh, it was really creative with the Gator being stuck in the way he thought up how to dislodge it, you know, they raised up the chassis to kind of get that out of the way, and they he fired up the the engines on the on the boat to launch them out of there. I thought that was really good. Right. You could tell that the, the producers, the writers were really thinking, all right, Gator's stuck. How can we get him out of there? Exactly. Uh, so I thought that was really good. And obviously, like I said before, I loved the way they did the voice change with uh, when Matt was talking he took off his mask and it was back to his normal voice right. that was got to got to pass on some props to the uh, producers for attempting that right, I agree and they finally gave T-Bob some cred at the end after I've been you know the last couple episodes where they've helped out um, they finally give him some credit at the end I did notice the animation this is I'm getting on the bad I would call the bad stuff now I did notice the animation was a little shoddy at some points um T-Bob, you know, asking what they were doing up there, like he was, you know, I I don't know, I'd, I'd call that bad, maybe more than a, than a tick. They didn't really explain why he didn't know. Uh, and what about the professor, okay? So they're concerned about Bruce, but you got the professor dying there just alongside of him. What happened to him? Did he make it? Exactly, we don't even <laughs> see what happened. Is he chop liver? What's going exactly. on? Exactly, we have no idea what happened. You know, all the concern was a Bruce gonna die. Bruce gonna. Well, what about this poor guy? Okay, let's uh, let's help him out too. <laughs> and uh, you know, the whole mayhem. He should have known Scott and T. Bob. That just yeah. should have happened. I agree. Um, and maybe you know, maybe mayhem should have made some more kind of antidote too. I I can understand the plot that it's almost like the. Uh, if you in the uh, second Indiana Jones where he's in Shanghai and he drinks the poison and they have the whole scene where he's trying to scurry around and find the antidote, um, I, I understand that kind of plot. I think it was good. So you know maybe he should have been trying to you know get the antidote as well so he could as he's infecting people he, he's got enough to to sell. Right. So and then just a couple ticks. I didn't like that he called Bruce old timer. I, I don't see Bruce as being that old. I don't. Maybe Alex. I don't either. But I kind of just <laughs> I took it as a joke, you know. You know. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, you know, like we said, talking through the glass at the hospital room. They didn't really. That's I don't know. That's like a tick. Um, I would have liked a scene at the end with the doctor lady, just to kind of bookend that whole, you know, ordeal. Maybe she's the one giving. Bruce the shot of the antidote or something. Right. Um, they just kind of, she's there and she's gone. Um, so I, yeah, that's more of a tick. It's something I would have liked. And then, you know, there's still those scenes where you got the vehicles driving one way, they don't show them turning around, and then all of a sudden they're going head-to-head with 
another vehicle and shooting at them. I, you can blame that one on I'm a victim of uh, taking TV one class in in college because that's what they teach you. Like the the you know when you go from one scene to the next and you know like in Jurassic Park was the first one that that kind of was shown to me where he's at the table with the briefcase where the uh, he gets the shaving cream right and in one shot you see him he's got the briefcase in his hand the other shot the next shot you see him it's on the table and he's eating his pie so it's if you ever you know go back and watch Jurassic Park you'll see what I mean but that that gets in in, in your brain as you're watching movies it's it, TV one just ruins the way you watch movies <laughs> <laughs> trust me so That's okay. it's just those little scenes that just kind of I need a I need a middle thing to kind of piece the two together right. but and then of course the roll bar being shot off. Right. That was a that was a tick. So let's uh, let's go on to. Did you see any uh, tie-ins to our script? I did not. I I was <laughs> looking and I could not find anything. I got one little quick one, and it was when uh, Thunderhawk and Switchblade are up in the air, and Miles is baiting him to come closer to him so he can unleash those like water balls and you know freeze them. Um, and I just had a the scene in my mind where I think it's it's not the finale of the movie. It's more when they I think when they first meet or something. Oh yeah. And there's a scene, and then uh, Matt radios back to I don't know if it's Alex or Bruce to patch him into Mayhem so they can actually communicate between right. Thunderhawk and Switchblade in the air. So we haven't got that, I don't think, so far in the cartoon where they're actually talking back. They talk, but it's not like they can hear each other, right. you know. That's the only thing that I got. There we have like a patch in, so they can talk right. during the movie. So let's go on to what the fans think about this one. Right. So our ratings are: uh, we have four votes for a five, four votes for a four, and a. Vote each for a three and a two. So we had ten votes total out of this one, which was great, uh, which also came along with two comments. Right, and the first one comes from Eric. I don't believe this is Eric from Boulder Hill. I think he spells his with a K. But Eric says, This episode isn't really anything special. It's annoying how Mayhem assumes Mask will die when he traps them on the ice and doesn't bother to finish them off himself. What's even more annoying is his plan with the germs. Why bother with the cure for the disease? Why not just hold the countries hostage with the threat of infection and rake in the bucks when they pay the ransom? Infecting people with the disease and then selling them the cure seems unnecessarily complicated and prone to failure. Also, it was disappointing to see how lousy the animation was in this episode, especially the coloring of the Viper mask. Since I have a full-size replica... Nice. Yeah, very nice. Of the of the Viper mask Mayhem wears, it's easy for me to notice things like that. Um, I mean, I'll I'll agree with them on the animation there. I won't necessarily disagree with the plot. I can see where yeah, it had had kind of holes, but it had been done before, kind of like with the the Indiana Jones movie. I don't know what year if that came out before. I think it was around 85. Right. But it's, you know, having having the the disease and the cure, I think is a good balance there, I guess for right. lack of a better word. But appreciate the comment. That's that's uh 
some great. I'm guessing maybe he was the one that gave it a two. <laughs> it could have been. And then, of course, our buddy Anna. What does Anna say? Yes, about this, this is an average episode. It has some good drama with Bruce getting ill. And I like how they compensate for not using any of the female agents by using a female doctor. I also remember laughing when T-Bob discovers that it's Mayhem who has pulled him out of the snow. Still, the episode is not good enough to be rated above average. It doesn't have that much excitement and action as some of the really good episodes. And I agree with you there, Anna. Wow. So she must have been the three. She must uh, have. That's pretty bad I, when we can figure these out. Well, I, you um, know, and we benefit. We're <laughs> we're benefiting from you know kind of watching these in order, right? And and having some recent knowledge of what you know the the recent episodes are. So I was kind of excited to see some of those things that we hadn't seen in a while. So I guess she didn't she, she didn't go along with you know kind of what I saw there and. Um, didn't get excited as much as I did with those things. But um, we appreciate the comment for that, Anna, as always. Yes. And uh, I guess we'll roll right into what we can expect for our next episode. We've made it through the first 20 episodes. And like we did um, after we hit episode 10, we're going to do a wrap-up. We're going to do a basically a, a review of episodes 11 through 20. Um, this is very similar if you want to go back and listen to MassCast 13 and get an idea of that. But we're, I think we're going to go a little bit beyond what we did last time. We're going to do basically a short little wrap-up of each episode. And we'll give our ratings, what Wyatt and I both gave it. And hopefully we'll have some of the uh, totals from the polls to kind of throw in there as well. And then, you know, we'll do like we did last time. We'll each pick maybe our favorite episode of this section here and our least favorite. And I think last time we did a, uh, like a defining moment, um, something that kind of you remember most out of uh, 11 through 20. And then I think we might even get into, you know, was there anything we have, would have liked to seen more of, I guess? Or was there something that wasn't included in the in these you know ten episodes that maybe was included in the first ten? And then I think what we'll get into, which is going to be real fun, is comparing which maybe was better, the first ten or second ten Ooh, to episode twenty. Interesting. So yeah, we'll have some extra time. I think we're probably going to maybe do this episode in December. Uh, we might be able to fit in another one, but I'm thinking we'll probably make this kind of our end-of-year episode, and uh, we'll start fresh with maybe some cool new things in January. We've been wanting to do, I'll give you a little spoiler, uh, we've been wanting to get into some of the comic books, and our buddy Eric over at uh, boulder-hill.net, um, he's got a lot of those kind of saved up and scanned um, actually, you can go there now and and look at the mini comics and, and kind of see what those look like. So I think I'm hopeful uh, in the early part of next year that we'll take a basically take a little break from the episodes and dive into the comics a little bit more and get to see if there's some similar stories maybe through the first twenty and maybe some uh, new stories that would have made you know like good. Uh, cartoon episodes that maybe they should have 
kind of spun off from that or used those because the uh, those mini comics I believe came in with the first series of toys and then we had the uh, that first four volume set of comics came in at the end of 85 and the beginning of 86 so we'd already been into mask probably at least 30 or 40 episodes maybe even more than that so it'll be fun man i'm i'm, I'm excited I, I we've gone through 20 episodes this year hopefully we'll get 20 next year at least <laughs> uh that will be that will be great if we can get through there and you know i i like this i like that we're not hurrying to get through the cartoon we can spend right. our time on each episode and, and kind of reflect and do some different things and i'm sure we'll talk about series two toys as we get new, uh, you know, vehicles come onto the scene, so it'll be fun next year. I'm looking forward to it. Same here. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the comics because that was one thing I did not read much of uh, growing up was the comic books, except uh, what little things came through the Sunday or the newspaper. Uh, yeah, that was about the only comics I read. <laughs> well, uh, I, I I've made a request into Santa for you. Hint, hint. Uh... <laughs> So, Merry Christmas, old friend. It's not quite there yet, but uh, tomorrow's December 1st, so we're getting into the Christmas season. That's good. Tis the season to be merry. That is true. Well, we've had another awesome, excellent episode. Uh, we've really had a good time with it. Sorry it's been so long. Again, our, we apologize. Just our schedules just aren't uh, teaming up to do more episodes in the month. However, we still enjoy it, and hopefully you enjoyed our a little extended version today with uh, with getting to know us a little bit more. And on behalf of Jason, this is Wyatt, and thanks for joining Mascast.